Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Uh, we have a top show for you all today. We had the pleasure of chatting with Harlequins and England fullback. Did you say he was the top capped he, fullback he's, he's for England? He's the most capped English fullback, yeah. Mr. Mike Brand. He's very sound, very yes. sound. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Irish people were on Twitter last night going, oh, well, no, we'll get to see what he's really like. Sorry, folks. He's very sound. Um, we, a very good interview. I'm confident that you'll enjoy that. Uh, we're also going to be joined by former Connacht prop uh, Conan O'Donnell, who is set to be one of the first Irish players to return to pro rugby this season as he's with the Highlanders in New Zealand. And they're getting set up for some Super Rugby next month. Uh, all that and our classic album, movie and match. Uh, we're counting down our top 10 college campus films of all time. And uh, we'll take a soundtrack made up from those films. And we'll also be discussing Leinster's thrilling 2006 European Cup knockout win over Toulouse. What a game. What a game. Um, but Trimby, how are you? How's life? How's Ginger? Ginger and then the kids. That's the way um that's the way this is gonna go on. <laughs> and then Anna. <laughs> <laughs> and then you. <laughs> um Ginger's okay. I haven't seen as much of her this week, to be honest. Um uh, but we did we did have a moment um this week. I told you that there was a there was quite a few um cats all competing for our attention. Ginger mm. seemed to have one out and then Ginger just maybe took her eye off the prize a little bit. Hasn't been as uh, as as regular and a tender in our garden this week. Um, a couple of sleepovers at the start of the week, and then we haven't seen, haven't seen her much since. But Molly came running upstairs one day and goes, "There's a dog in the garden, Daddy." <laughs> I looked <laughs> outside, <laughs> and this poor, ugly, overweight, like like mangy looking cat was there. <laughs> And Molly thought she was a dog. <laughs> Molly thought it was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see like the body language of the dog slash cat. It's just like, oh, I've been called a dog my whole life. <laughs> so fed up with it. But we um we were concerned. We chatted to someone there a while back who um looked on and they, they did the same thing. They adopted a, a stray really or a cat that was someone else's uh we still stole a cat sorry <laughs> it's basically what I'm saying and um, someone else told us the story about <clears throat> they were able to look on Amazon or sorry um, Facebook Marketplace and people put like lost lost cat um, um, posts up there so we, we, we looked on to, we were concerned about Ginger really. we, we, weren't, we weren't concerned about the dog um, but um, there was nothing about Ginger but we found a picture and Anna is convinced I'm pretty convinced that that's the dog is has been missing from Glen Gormley, which is um like ten minutes up the road <laughs> for the, for a year. That post was up a year ago, so that's why the dog. That's why the dog looks so bad because it's been homeless for a year. A year, oh my god! I've got yeah. this weird thing going on where I lost my passport in Liverpool about four years ago, and I joined a Facebook group, uh, lost and found in Liverpool, um, <laughs> to see if it was found, and I still. 
it's what it's that and House of Rugby are the only two groups that I follow <laughs> on my Facebook. So every evening I get these notifications about <laughs> there's a lot of cars stolen in Liverpool. Cars been stolen and cats gone missing. Cats probably been stolen by people like yourself uh-huh. and dogs. And I'm there scrolling through. They have found myself. I think this is the worst type of uh, Facebook addiction where you're scrolling through a random city in England and looking at all the, the things that are lost and found. Yeah, that's cool. isolation. That's isolation yeah. addiction. No, this, this is going on four years, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> passport was never found, and, and I don't ever think it will be found. But, um, but yeah, it is. Look, it's it's March, in May 18, 18th, which is the first day where things are starting to get back to a little bit of normality in uh, in Ireland. We can go visit other people in their back garden, basically. I think yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, they're very, very, like, they're being stingy enough um, with, with some of the movements they've made. And I, it reminds me a little bit of, so last weekend, uh, Boris Johnson made a big announcement and then it was followed up by um, the local ones here. And that weekend, there were loads of pictures of people on the beaches. Um, it was a bank holiday weekend. Loads of mm. people on the beaches. And it reminds me of team conditioning. And we're all in this together. We're all doing this team session. And then those bell ends just go to the beach right before they decide what they're going to do. And it's like in team conditioning, <laughs> someone goes before the whistle and then we're all getting punished. <laughs> <laughs> that and, uh, that yeah. was the stupidest rule ever. So yeah, stupid. always, just keep them back. It was always Quinny, Quinny kind of, or, or <laughs> Axel trying to get a, a yard ahead of everyone else. So they'd cheat yeah. at the start. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. the only thing we have this week. So I noticed, like, the, the, Good the garden centers, the garden centers, right? Mm. Garden, who in the right mind has been sitting in isolation, just going, "I am like a cold spring here. I can't wait to get to the garden center." Yeah. <laughs> garden My centers. Father loves recycling. the garden. Really? Mm. <laughs> Maybe just because of lockdown, but he's fucking. He's made a masterpiece of his garden. Oh, Mine's going garden to Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, there's a garden centre quite near here. And when uh, we had the twins first, Orla um, needed to just get out of the house. And, and she decided her, one of her first trips was to, go to just go down to the garden centre. Um, I was like, oh, okay. I, I would have gone to the pub, but she was like down sitting on lawnmowers and stuff, like right on lawnmowers. And that's all <laughs> I imagine her doing, like, um, which is quite weird. But is there anything else open? There's a few, uh, the parks are open, parks and stuff like that. So we can go do that. Um, so you can maybe go to a pitch and kick a ball around. I think that would be open sports and recreation stuff. So you might see some players down doing a little bit. I saw uh, in New Zealand, the uh, a lot of the teams have gone, like, come, gone back to do pretty much preseason training because they'll, be, they'll be back playing in three weeks' time. Um, and Bowden Barrett smashing his PB on Broncos, gotten a 4-12, which was absolutely insane. Um, is how like that's what that's only a couple of seconds off, probably your best, but it's still like to go back day one and do that is pretty insane. Yeah, um, he he's supposed to be an absolute freak though, isn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, like, like uh, fitness wise, he's supposed to be unbelievable. So <clears throat> maybe not a reflection of where the rest of them are, but for him, he's obviously mm. flying. Um, I loved in that there's a video of it up on online, and all the players are wearing uh, random gear. They're not wearing like uh, the regular club gear. 
they're just wearing like he's wearing the soccer jerseys and stuff like that. It's like oh, and I and I love that in the in the Chicago Bulls um, last dance where a lot of the time they're they're not really wearing like their their Chicago Bulls gear. They're all just wearing like cool tracksuits or cool suits when they're traveling. They can wear whatever they want. I used to hate that you'd have to wear like the same t-shirts, the uniforms and stuff. I would yeah. have to show up and just something. Like, in, like a villagers or something like that at Munster Trail. Yeah, I like um, I like Boden, Boden Barrett to do his Bronco and get a video and him be him be wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite a restrictive three piece suit. Yeah, but this and like he checks great. checks his time on like that little pocket watch with a with a <laughs> stuck onto his uh, his inside suits, of his lapel. The suits that we wore were they weren't cool suits. They were like a, a stinking out kind of combination of of a, of a yeah. jacket and pants that didn't yeah. they never matched. Um, and then there was one stage then eventually maybe three or four years ago they decided you know what <laughs> everybody else is matching they've been matching for years <laughs> we're way behind <laughs> I remember um, Dennis Leamy um, there was always one uh, one person forgot their suit like whenever they're training and then going to the airport afterwards Dennis Leamy forgot his suit one time and he um, he had it he had sorry he had his tuxedo <laughs> that was it he had, had his tuxedo <laughs> in, in his suit bag and um, I remember after training I looked over and then he unzipped his, uh, uh, what he was hoping was going to be his, his suit opened it up and just went oh no and then what he did was he zipped it back up and then re-unzipped it in the hope that it would have changed <laughs> <laughs> and you think you're the only one that spotted this yeah myself and Rory to be fair spotted it um, and then we, um, we 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 both remember when we were getting on the bus at Kalani Castle um, like Jer Carmody it was the team manager goes has everybody got their suits make sure you've definitely got your suits and I remember <laughs> specifically someone had put on um, Blur what do you call that song come on come on come on oh, get yeah. true Tender. it yeah, Lamey was like staring out the window singing along to this song. I remember. <laughs> and he got the reminder where she was God, true. On another planet. Uh, great tune, to be fair. Great. Yeah, tune. to be fair, Tim. Yeah, love it. Um, <clears throat> some other rug. Sorry, go on. Before we on the rugby. Only other thing this week. <clears throat> I, we've uncovered Jack's, um, like, quite quite te- like a testing um set of questions and set of kind of queries growing up you start to push the boundaries and ask these difficult questions of of mummy and daddy and um this this week i have a few difficult ones and i'll be interested to see how you deal with these um mm, we uh, sometimes before bed we would just ask each other questions and just get a wee bit of a chat going do that instead of a story or maybe do a quick couple of questions you always have to negotiate it with questions he starts at 15 i start at five and then we kind of meet halfway <laughs> <laughs> and then we were playing this game where i would tell say the names of things and he would have to tell me if they're alive today or not so i wanted to kind of I wanted to put unicorns and dinosaurs in one. You know, I didn't want to differentiate. Like, <laughs> extinct, never existed. Never I didn't existed. want to get too complicated with them, right? Okay. So I said uh, dinosaurs, and then we, we discussed how dinosaurs had died. Next thing, Jack starts crying. <laughs> 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 like, I love dinosaurs. When did they die? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so good. 
Are you urge, urge to slag him or are you urge to give him a cuddle or what? No, my urge was definitely to, to laugh and enjoy it and like look forward to telling Anna about that afterwards or, t- or telling, yeah. you know, the, the 15,000 listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, so we went on from dinosaurs and unicorns and then we got into the, the story, story part, or, part of our, our bedtime. And then it just picked up on the same theme because there was a page with uh like all these difficult ones that weren't i thought this would be very an easy um an easy game for me to kind of be very clear and then up came a picture of a, a clown and and he goes daddy are those real and i was like they're they are real and that they are they are they do exist but you know it's not it's that's misleading jack because someone is dressed up it's in the same you know that's difficult right it's not quite a yes yeah. or no or black and white got past that and then we went to pirates and i was like again pirates do exist but they don't look like that you know they're typically somalians and uh you know they, they hijack <laughs> hijack your boat they don't make you walk the plank you know like no, they kill they you, you. Yeah. i didn't go into the details of jack <laughs> <laughs> he's like still upset about pirates because he has about dinosaurs dinosaurs and pirates are my favorite <laughs> and they're both <laughs> um, so then we, we wow. moved on and then Jack just out of the blue just goes and you're like this Jack goes are aliens alive <laughs> and I went um, I went probably have to watch an uh, Interstellar as well like, yeah there's every chance there's there's another uh, planet out there that consists <laughs> you know there's going to be something out there and I was like maybe Jack but they're ma- they're way really really far away and they would never come in here and then he said, Jack says, um, but what if they, what if they fell out of space? And then he, then he could see that like the whiz turn and he started to like gain momentum for the story. He says, what if they fell out of space, landed on the trampoline, points <laughs> <laughs> back up into space and then landed in nettles. <laughs> Wow, I love that. Yeah, take a bite. That's son. like, yeah, yeah. That I mean, I was thinking there when you were telling that story. I was like, if this was me, I would, I would try and explain like the Fermi paradox, which kind of um, indirectly proves that aliens exist, and that is that there is so many galaxies and so many stars within those galaxies that um, it is a mathematical kind of certainty that there will be life uh, on those planets and then there will be life that have gone to our level and way beyond. So they would would probably be so advanced they would (laughs) have solved uh, Einstein's theory of relativity and be able to travel through through black holes and come visit us and influence us throughout uh, our kind of, our civilization and how we develop. No, we, we just went we just went trampolines and but then the, the add-on to that which i think is a gaping hole in the in the femi paradox is just make it a little bit more digestible like and then when the aliens came here they fell onto a trampoline <laughs> and then make it like so nostalgic because like nettles are like immediately when you hear nettles you're like it's so built into our dna as a uh, I think as as whatever you would call our generation. I'm not sure if 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 previous generations would have had such experience with nettles, but nettles were a huge part of my life. They're not anymore, mm. but they were. Are they a big part of Jack's life now? 
Uh, they are. He's actually never been stung. Herman Molly, neither of them have ever been stung. And we walk through like we. He doesn't we, know. Then he doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know. know. He doesn't get it. Yeah. Remember dressing according. I would you would dress according to how many nettles you were gonna. <laughs> yeah. Pot- potentially today. <laughs> potentially encounter during the day. Nah, I can't. I do plan on going down to field number three today. Quite challenging to maneuver my way through that. So I better not. Maybe just bring some long socks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think um, the nettles are a big part. Nettles and spiders actually growing up. wasn't a big fan of spiders. Nettles oh, and spiders. Don't mind the spiders. They're grand. They're grand. Sharks. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, Baskin, the Baskin sharks down in, in North Clare, um, there's loads of them, which is, uh, I don't know if that's a sign of the times that because there's less uh, going on in the water that the, maybe the Baskin sharks are basking a little bit more. Um <laughs> But uh, I can't wait. I don't know if lockdown lockdown doesn't obviously, or the change in lockdown doesn't allow us to go that far, but I can't wait to get down to the coast. Um, but there is some rugby stuff that Pat has hit us over the head with. There's a lot of ch- um, rugby news. There's a lot of, uh, whatchamacallits, um, uh, transfer market stuff mm-hmm. going on. Arno Bota, unfortunately, has left Munster, gone back to the Blue Bulls. Um, what a good opportunity, I suppose. He's he's done a great job for Munster. Played a lot of games and had a massive impact. But I suppose it's good to to keep that option open to uh, young upcoming talent like Sir Jack O'Sullivan and Witcherly, mm. etc. Um, France Saeli signed for Biarritz, former Munster player. Um, uh, great fella and love for life that fella has. So he loved Biarritz class town second i heard that i was like oh he's gonna have such a cool time there yeah um yeah. and who else name scholar is back um back training with the highlanders ben smith is not ben smith has decided that he's not going to go back to super rugby he's going to go play with his club side dunedin which is pretty class nice. isn't it class yeah. yeah very cool i love that um uh, roman solano uh the hawaiian-born leinster prop is looked this is speculation but it looks like he could be joining Munster next season there were talks of him going to Connacht originally um, but I think Munster once they heard that have tried to swoop in so uh, we saw a little bit of him this year um, obviously a serious athlete that'd be a good signing wouldn't it? Yeah it's tough if, if that is if that is the case it's tough enough on Connacht just um, they've done all the hard work and then Munster just said you know what <laughs> Mm. We'll take come it, to thank you. come to Limerick. It's way better. Um, uh, what else? Any other? Uh, it's Quade Cooper who's at it again with some ridiculous skills. Um, I think they're fake. But, you know, <laughs> he's an alien man. <laughs> Fell down on the trampoline. Um, yeah, he's just a sick, sick individual. Um, Rassing have signed Curtly Beal. These are some of my own notes, Pat, just in case you're wondering. Um, uh, another feckin' unbelievable start, Rassing. Uh, do you play much against Curtly Beal? Oh, once or twice, but you don't remember, don't remember much about it. Hmm. Um, yeah, ridiculous signing. Yeah, good player. Um, there's also a little bit of like uh stuff going on in South Africa and Australia with, in terms of contracts. So the big uh, hoo-ha going on with Peter Steph to toy at the moment. So South Africa gave uh, their players a window of 21 days where you could, um, if you, because the contracts were being reduced due to COVID, you could, that, over, during that 21 days, you could 
pack in your contract and move on. So uh, Cedar Peter Steph de Toy was one of I think three or four players who've tried to get out of um, where is he playing? Um, I can't remember where he's playing. Western Fours is it? Are they? Are they South African? Um, and he's I think he's trying for a move to Montpellier, but the South African Rugby Union are trying to keep him there. Obviously, it's very interesting though, isn't it? Giving them opportunity twenty one days. I think they're the only um, rugby union that decided to do that. Yeah, but pretty um, foolish. Yeah, foolish, but it probably like it just shows how how volatile the whole situation is and how badly everybody's been hit. Um, Mm. Like it's the figures were announced there what the what what the English uh, union were going to lose if they lost internationals behind closed doors, different kind of figures and stuff. Like it's it's an absolute game changer, and like potentially there could be Premiership teams, you know, especially because a few of them are. Um, backed by by wealthy owners, and they I don't I don't know how sustainable they are as businesses. They're more hobbies than businesses. Uh, mm. and if the owner then he's getting he or she's getting a hard time on their end, whatever the original business was that's funding that team, then they kind of go, "Am I really up for this headache?" Like, like you you would imagine there'll be a few casualties eventually if this keeps going. I think, uh, did you see the Bundesliga football has gotten, has started back mm. um, and it was so weird. I just watched highlights of them playing behind closed doors. It was pretty weird. Um, but do you think if if when rugby goes back and, and, and this continues for a while and there's no one at games, do you think the interest is going to still be there for people to, do you think like sports stars will be, stars now that there's no one going to the games will they be as big stars if you're just watching them on tv and the uh, same affiliation yeah yeah because because you don't like most people not me to be fair but most people love to go to the game for a for a night out for the atmosphere for the buzz to be fair i'd rather watch it on tv more often than not but yeah, but like you know when they score and they go up to the crowd and it's like yeah, and like the, the crowd are going back to yeah. well that's not going to happen now. So you're going to be sitting at home watching it and there's going to be less excitement surely from that. Yeah, it's just going to be an empty <clears throat> stadium and no atmosphere going up to the cameras. Yes, mm. <laughs> really, really dry celebration. Just get some one to feed on. <clears throat> Maybe this is the next step of AI. We're just going to get some load of robots in the crowd, just like ah, <laughs> clapping and spinning their hands or whatever. Um, that would be so weird. <laughs> like the cra- like this it, is, is going to make its way back to aliens again. <laughs> Do you know in like FIFA if you're playing FIFA on PlayStation or something and, and the crowd are all there and they're like ah, if you could just uh, make big screens around they could put screens in for the stadium that could be just a load of uh, fake people just screaming or, or else a load or else a load of people on Zoom just around the stadium <laughs> watching from home all taking time to talk <laughs> was, yeah <laughs> come on you fool pass the ball that kind of stuff wow that's weird yeah um one other bit of news which you uh told me about that i think is the best bit of rugby news i've heard is that sonny bill williams was being lined up to fight mike tyson <laughs> so we were talking know, about is it, um, it going to happen we were talking about michael jordan um 
uh, changing codes and going over to, to baseball. That's yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, Sonny Bill. Apparently, I read this somewhere. Now this was a few days ago, so it might have been I don't know, could have been rubbish. That um, Tyson them was offered a million million dollars to fight Sonny Bill, and then a couple of videos of Tyson training and popped up, and mm. he still looks extremely powerful and dangerous frighteningly yeah. fast as well da- dangerous is the word he looks yeah. dangerous yeah remember uh sonny bill I, i've never seen any of his fights have you i have he's he's um he's just he's just big and he's strong but um he doesn't look like a boxer Do you know like i think if you're if you're going to be a professional boxer you got to be doing it since you were five years of age and mm. there's, there's just a knack to it and a natural movement that has to go boxing mm. and uh sonny bill don't get me wrong. He'd kick the, the head off me, so I hope he never sees this. But um, I, I just think he was way out of his league. Yeah. Stick, well, stick to your... Like it, it, Tyson's uh, in his 50s. Uh, he'd still kill him, like, absolutely. Or maybe he's 60, is he? He's hardly 60. No, he's 50s. Um, so he'd kill him. I guarantee it. I'd love to see Tyson come back. Jesus. Um but yeah, I don't know if, I don't think that worked for Sonny Bill. Going back to Tyson, or what's his name, uh, Michael Jordan. Um, at the time, I remember hearing like how much of a joke he was as a baseball player. But uh, as you can see from the documentary, a lot of people said, you know, until he had to pull out because of, uh, there was strikes going on that he was, uh, pardon the pun, there was actually player strikes going on. He he was getting better and better and probably would have ended up in the major leagues if he'd have stuck at it. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's freakish. I don't know if there's many if there's many rugby players that would be able to maybe golf. Would there be a few rugby players that could potentially not really. Even no. like the best best golfer um is probably like Nan O'Connor was very good. Remember him? <clears throat> Yeah, he's very good. Uh, McCloskey's quite good, um, but like literally, these guys, these are the best golfers we've got, and they're like they're, they're not close they're, to scratch. No, yeah. they're like playing off six or six or seven or something. Yeah, pretty pretty impressive from Jordan. Um, I didn't realize that his dad had been murdered either. How? Mm. I know when most people have watched this, they'll have watched the last two episodes of it, which come out later. Well, they came out last night, so um, we're probably a bit behind, but um. That was outrageous, wasn't it? Yeah, no, and I ruined that and someone as well. Uh, um, he, someone Sorry, said to me, what, if anyone what, else um, hasn't watched it, I probably... Yeah, you know. no, it's fine, because someone said, I was chatting to someone who was like... Uh, Spoiler alert. What's, what's the NG at? And I was like, his dad's just died. And he goes, what? And I was like, or did he? Try and keep him guessing. <laughs> he might have died, actually, nothing about it. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. we need to be careful. That's so impressive, though. What a what a show! Uh, I love. I'm starting to love. I never really follow basketball, but I'm starting to get into it. It's, I think, like he's some of the skill levels that he's that, especially Jordan, but but a lot of them, they're all unbelievable. Like the, I actually thank you to a penguin. One of our penguins got onto me and was, I heard us talking about peng or about Michael Jordan and about Tiger Woods, and he recommended a book called The Sports Gene. Have you read that? I haven't, uh, I've, I've actually downloaded it and haven't read it yet, yeah. Yeah, so I started it yesterday. Brilliant book. And it kind of looks at why the best of the best are the way they are. Is it something in their genetics or is it nurture as opposed to nature? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm only started it, so I'm not into, into it hugely. But um, just that the, the, the constant 
incredible pieces of skill you see in in that documentary alone are just mind blowing. But is it is it basketball a bit of an outlier because you know it's you always remember I suppose when you 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 play a game when you're completely in the zone and you you know you do something and you're it's just you're in flow and it's hard to get in rugby sometimes because the so it's so stop start and you can kind of get distracted easily. There's so many, you might see the ball for a while. You might have anything to do, um, which makes it quite challenging to be constantly in flow. Whereas something like basketball, you don't get a second to, to think really, do you? You're just Mm. so instinctive and go, go, go. Um, which I think is one of the reasons I hope they get into basketball in that book. Um, but it made me think about Tiger Woods and how, Golf is probably the hardest game to stay in flow because you've got so long a walk between shots and so much of a, I don't know, the weight of the world on your shoulders, I'd imagine. There's so much, and it's so slow, you're moving slow, there's no, so for Tiger Woods to be able to to control that environment and always be, uh, and any player that can play at the top of their game, I think yeah. that's probably golf. Golf would be a nightmare. That's why there must be so much, <clears throat> so much thought and so much of a of a player kind of managing that thought. <clears throat> um, do you ever when you're doing um, conditioning or like you're on the bike or you're, even you're doing like a gym session or whatever, you, you play games with yourself and you think, oh, you know, I'm a third of the way through the session. You know, keep doing mm. this, same same again. That then I'll be two thirds of the way through. Or, or if I get to a certain level, you're kind of doing me games with yourself. Um, imagine how much you must do that when you're walking down the fairway towards after you mm. drove and if you're like two shots ahead but you're concerned that he might pick up a shot and then you're thinking right well where can I put this and like all the all the all the stuff going through your head all the different eventualities and then um, they must be so good at just managing that and then just stepping outside of that and just going right um, pick your club and then just step it. I remember um, um, Harrington talking about how he 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 didn't let him like tried not to let himself think like, there's a there's a line he makes all his decisions all like uh, yardage breeze club selection everything like that and then um once he crosses the line then he he like tries not to let himself think about it and then you just get into the flow then which is like, mm-hmm. quite a cool way and then he also doesn't let himself um didn't let himself talk to the ball in the air because he's, he's totally irrational it's pointless nice the ball's gone you know like, guys are like get left get left whatever it is that's what i've been doing wrong <laughs> you be talking to the ball. Talking to the ball and thinking about things. A golf a golf courses are open today. I'm gonna Up go here, apparently. Yeah, yeah, they're open here. I'm gonna go play golf. I'll come back to you next week and I'll tell you how. I'll probably be, <laughs> I'll probably be classed by next week. I'd say so. I won't take yeah. long. <laughs> um so uh, uh the world has been telling me over the last few weeks to go back to college um to uh that that I need to re kind of i don't know to educate myself or, or or new experiences and just add a little bit of color to my life and what better way to do that than go back to university or college or just throw myself back into it um and then what else normal people have been watching that and they're starting off in college and I was like, Jesus, imagine going to college in Trinity, the fucking house parties and all that crack. And like, that's not the way house parties were in Limerick. I don't know what they were like for you. Um, but they were certainly one like that with pool parties and all that crack. Um, so is there, maybe I'll go to Trinity. Maybe I look, I'm, I'm running away with myself here, but there, there was, there's just been signs all over the place telling me to go back to university. So 
that is why I wanted us to look at campus movies because I just wanted to examine all the different types of campus movies and kind of see what place I want to position myself as a student if I were to go back. Um, so we'll review that at the end of the show today and decide, will you come back to college with me? I already went back to college and I did the, the mature student thing. Um, and did you? It was a, yeah. Um, oh. I did. Like, it was about three years ago. I finished a uh, postgrad and I was just going in the evenings. And um, is, it, is it the same thing? It's so, so different. So yeah. different. So it's, we need to go back properly. We need to be like, whether we're like old school or um, like halls. What? Yeah, or Goodwill Haunting, or you know all these these ex- college experiences that I've never had. We need to go back and and, and do that. So we'll just pick yeah. one of them. <laughs> okay, we'll I get did. to that at the end of the show. <laughs> we will, we will. Okay, uh, but we uh, we have Mike Brown coming right up now. We decided to swap roles this week, which I thought was hilarious because um, uh, we just said we give Trimby Trimby. Why, why don't we? Or you said to me, why don't I take over the the uh, interview process for the first one. I was like, brilliant, let's do this. And we decided that, yeah, you were going to take the reins and I was going to chip in every once in a while, which I was more than happy to do. But then there was some sort of loss of communication and both of us just started the interview with looking at the screen and Mike Brown. <laughs> it's just the most awkward pause of all time. I think we should keep it in, really. Enjoy. Trimby. You want me to kick it off? <laughs> <laughs> I can do it if you want, Les. You just that's, a, that's, a, that's a perfect start. Let's keep that in. <laughs> keep that in. <laughs> keep it in. Okay. I thought this was a professional setup. Who's interviewing who here? Yeah. <laughs> Far away, Mike. Mike, Mike, we've we've been discussing this for I'd say forty eight hours, and and the the only thing that I came away from our conversation, me and Trimby, is that he was going to lead this interview. And then we start, and the one thing he had to do, and he fucks it up. <laughs> yeah, he obviously took that on board. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So we have got um, the most capped English fullback of all time with us here, Mike Brown. Uh, welcome along to the podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, you're known as a as a competitor. You're not, your reputation is that you're not afraid to get fired up, get uh, confrontational. Um, uh, but I believe, I believe you're lovely. And, you know, having a quick chat with you before, you're, you're a nice guy. Why do you not let it out in the pitch? Like, why do we not see smiles in your face? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I don't know if, I, if I'm a nice guy. It depends who you ask, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's just why I took to rugby at a young age, um, being competitive and, I think rugby just gets gets that side of me out. Um, I think it's it's what I need to do to get the best out of myself on the field. Um, I think it's one of my strengths. Helps with my game. So yeah, that, that's I think that's just why I enjoy rugby. It uh, it reminds me of the the scene in Family Guy, whenever he says that guy that guy's a badass. The guy and it counts. And then he gets corrected. He's like, well, that badass gives half his paycheck to orphans with diseases. He's got a heart of gold. (laughs) (laughs) And I think recently you've, um, you've just started raising money for um, COVID uh, rapid response fund. Is that correct? So that's that's your heart of gold, Mike. Tell tell us about it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, You know, like everyone else, 
in in this 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 tough time at the moment we're all trying to do everything we can as much as we can it was just a simple thing of clearing out a load of kit you know obviously I'm not using a lot of it at the moment and I've got a bit spare from getting ditched from England so um yeah just selling that um which I've done for a while but um instead of giving it to my normal charity which was GB wheelchair rugby obviously at the moment I decided to to give it to the NHS and and help you know every any little way I could and that was an easy way to do that so you're not you're not using any kit at the minute. Obviously, um, very few guys are getting much training done at the minute. But you're um, you're nearly back from injury. Is that right? Do you want to tell us a bit about where you're at there? Yeah. So um, right at the start of the season, I managed three games, and then it came clear that I had some some sort of injury um, problem, and it was it was a bit of cartilage damage, which just left a hole in in, in my side of my knee. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I had um, a procedure called. Um, microfracture which basically drill they just drill loads of holes in, in your knee somewhere um in the bone and then that releases like a fluid um not to put it too technically and then that fills fills the gap that the cartilage used to be um so i'm six months into about a nine month injury um so i've you know got through a fair bit of it so far you know it's been interesting um at this time doing a, doing a lot on my own um you know not with hands-on physio not getting the treatment that you'd usually get every day at the club, um, just doing it over FaceTime and Zoom, um, just things like that. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Um, but, yeah, getting through it and it's progressing well. Back into running um, recently and hopefully it just keeps progressing from there. Um, coronavirus probably came at not a bad time then for you. You're going to be kind of doing your own thing for a couple more months anyway. But um, being locked down, I think myself and Barry were discussing this uh, offline but we were full of enthusiasm for a few weeks and then we're we're all kind of fed up now we're all kind of a breaking point but have you you you, you were broken last week i, I was fly i'm still having a great time man no, no, don't drag no. don't drag me into your misery i'm gonna drag <laughs> me and mike, both of me, you and mike me, me and mike are two very positive happy guys off the field yeah. right don't drag us <laughs> well, into your shite yeah so yeah. Tell, how, how are you how are you coping like are you have you picked up a hobby or netflix gaming what is it well having a young family i've got a toddler of two and a half you don't get much time um so i just switch between the training i need to do and the rehab and then straight into family life you know getting getting the run around from a two and a half year old and i think he's taking great pleasure in, in doing that to me um <laughs> He's just just woken up now, so you might hear him squawking in the background. But uh, yeah, he's 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 full on from the moment he wakes up. He is so energetic. I mean, he just does not give us a second. Um, we have to take we're having to take him on shifts at the moment, myself and my wife, because yeah, he he is nonstop. So yeah, I, I'd get up early before um, he's fully up and, and ready to go for the day and, and get my you know a couple of sessions of training in, and then mm-hmm. myself and my wife then take him out. Or we do it together and then he has a nap and then it's back into it in the afternoon and then I try and get some rehabbing after that. So apart yeah. from those two things, there's not much time for anything else. No, but it's like, I, 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 does that eight o'clock time come for both of you when you get when you get them to bed and you're just like, you have this look yourself and your missus and you're like, my God, we did it. We did oh, it. It's another, it's another day down. We literally live for, we live for, for it. that hour. Yeah, that hour off in the middle of the day so when he drops that it's going to be absolute hell um yeah. and then for that eight o'clock when you can just literally slump in front of the tv and we just don't talk we just might look at each other every now and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. phones are out trying to communicate with people tv's on oh, it's just that two hours of silence is just I know. Yeah, bliss so we yeah. luckily like, 
we've so we, we had our third there last summer so the, ours are five three and nearly one and it gets more mental but i just think you become like less bothered about being a good parent and it's <laughs> It's so refreshing. <laughs> just, you just care less, and then I think they become more independent as a result. So uh, that would be that would be my advice as someone who's a little bit further down the line. Don't care as much about your kids. <laughs> I'm, sat, I'm, sat here about, I'm sat here moaning about one, and then you're saying about three, and you just feel like, oh god. Um, yeah. Are you telling me that it gets easier the more you get? Is that what you're telling me? Or? There's, I think there's there's an element of kind of economies of scale, not to yeah. <laughs> not to treat children like um, uh, commodities, but um, the two the two older ones that we just leave them leave them they far, they far away when we might not see them for an hour and a half, and they come away and they've learned a lot more than they would have learned if we'd have been teaching them stuff. So anyway, yeah. they're they're getting on fine. But uh, what about then that period? Once you go to bed at eight or once uh, you get the kids to bed at eight o'clock. What what are the best the best two or three hours of the day look like for you, Mike? You um you watching the Michael Jordan documentary by any chance? Oh yeah, definitely definitely that documentary. I love um watching documentaries, especially about sport and um reading autobiographies and biographies about sportsmen. So that documentary is, you know, amazing, like everyone knows. Um just to see behind the scenes, you know, that mentality that Michael Jordan has, that winning mentality, the way he's you know, perceived um, by his, by his teammates, how they feel about him is all so interesting and takes so much out of it being a sportsman, but also just being a, a fan of sport, just seeing all those behind the scenes things. But you know, he's that guy is incredible. He's a, he's a beast, isn't he? I mean, yeah. The mentality. I'm, when I'm watching it, like I'm retired. Sorry, I'm retired like ten, almost ten years now, and I still want to run through a brick wall when I'm watching uh, him talk. Um, would it? Would it? inspire you even more now that you're playing watching something like that or is that kind of always an attitude you would have had as well that kind of do or die or, or anything to win an attitude oh yeah I think I, I think that is one of my strengths is probably my attitude um maybe fighting spirit never give up never take a back backward step that's always how I've tried to play um in, in any jersey or for any team um Anyway, so just to see someone of, the, of that level, and obviously, you know, on a much greater level than than, than I could ever dream of doing that and being like that. Um, but he just takes it to the absolute extreme, doesn't he? What, what an absolute mm. beast of a person and, and mm. an athlete, and the things he's achieved is incredible. Uh, I noticed um, before the Zoom call, it, it popped up. I looked up uh, participants in the call, and it was Michael Brown, and I was like, who? on earth is my oh my <laughs> and in like the, maybe the first episode um uh, uh michael jordan talks about how he's called michael and then didn't you say barry you considered changing um uh barry's one of barry's twins is called mick but you considered uh going changing his name to michael uh, i did calling michael so you get taken more seriously <laughs> yeah because that's what in one of the first episodes i think jordan says that he changed his name when he came out of college everyone was like hey it's mike and he was like no, I'm I'm Michael, and then uh, yeah, Mick, Mick the baby is a little bit. Um, people are starting to they're taking him less serious now, even though he's only nine months old. They're kind of <laughs> he's the butt he's the butt of a lot of jokes. So I might I might change it to Michael, but uh, <laughs> I, I probably my dad's don't called Mick. So is he? My dad's oh, called Mick. I don't think he'd be happy hearing that. Yeah. He's not taken seriously for the whole of his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's yeah, your young uh, fella called? He's not called. He's not Mike, is he? 
No, he's called Jax. Oh, Jax. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was Jax? Yeah, was there, what was this series? Or Jax yeah, became popular for a while? Um, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, what's it That's yeah. it, yeah. I've never seen it, but yeah, that, that, that apparently is in that, so. Yeah. Uh, well, come here. I was going down a rabbit hole of Mike Brown clips earlier on of watching you scoring tries and doing all those things. And then I found myself down a Tony Woodcock uh, rabbit hole. So I'm not sure many people know this, but your father-in-law was former England and Arsenal striker Tony Woodcock. Scored some unbelievable goals. Um, so he tells me. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit before my time. Um, a left footer like yourself. Uh, what's that been like? Is he uh, has he been, uh, I suppose, inspiring you or, or uh, an ear for you during your career? Seeing what he's done on the on the football pitch for so long. Yeah, look, especially at the start when I first met him, he did like to continue to tell me, you know, uh, about his left foot and how many goals he scored, and send me clips of him <laughs> scoring against Manchester United. Um, being a Man United fan myself, so you know, he he did take pleasure and enjoy in doing that, and maybe that was just a bit of him trying to. Um, yeah, a bit of a, a pissing contest, if I'm allowed to say that, for him. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, going out with his daughter just to make sure. <laughs> you know, I know exactly what he did and how good he was. But yeah, it's 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 inspiring when you have people like that close to you that um, have achieved those sort of things and, um, you know, however many caps he got for England and um, working with people like Brian Clough, um, you know, they won the European Cup and things like that. You know, that's incredible. And, Wow. Again, he, they had that documentary about about that that Brian Clough era, and um, then winning the two European Cups. So he he likes to uh, whip that out um, at DVD, and again shows how good he was. Um, oh man! And he's still got the sure? hair, the big long hair as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Has, uh, have he? He surely has a few Brian Clough stories, does he? Um, yeah, Jesus. Um, like. yeah. The, he has a few, but it was just mainly. You know, they turn up to training, and he'd just be like, "Right, lads, we're we're getting on a plane to, I don't know, New York or uh, whoever else they went in Spain, and yeah, for training camp." But you know, it wasn't anything like that. A couple of runs, and the rest was just team socials, I think. But yeah, he sounds like a unbelievable character um, to have worked for um, and inspiring as well. Well. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and look, uh, I suppose you've worked with a few interesting coaches as well and a few interesting players. Andy Farrell, current Irish coach. Um, did you come into the first English squad you were in? I believe Farrell was uh, was involved in that. And I also heard you were a big rugby league fan as well back in the day. So um, it must have been pretty interesting coming into a squad with one of your former heroes playing in the same teams. And- yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I grew up watching rugby league as well as, well as um, rugby union um, with my dad when it was on BBC. I think it was BBC mm. Two, and the first game I ever watched was Wigan against Hull, and my dad is from Hull, so he was um, rooting for them, and I just wanted to, um, wanted the other team to win um, just to wind my dad <laughs> up, and it, and it happened to be Wigan. Um, you know, Andy uh, Andy Farrell, uh, Renoff, Radlinski, um, growing up watching those guys, so then to go into um, a squad and he was there for my first cap. He didn't last very long, got injured and went home, but um, <laughs> just to have him there and, and Jason Robertson as well, who had grown up watching for Wigan. Um, they were both in the squad. Um, Jason was the captain as well. So just to see those guys, I was a bit in awe and um, didn't really know what to do. I don't think I spoke to Andy. I don't think, don't think I spoke to Andy Farrell once um, on that trip. But then obviously he came in in 2012 under Stuart um so to work with him yeah he's, he's an incredibly inspiring bloke um you know he he properly 
investing in motivating you and inspiring you. Um, he was our defense coach, so he just made you want to hit people and run through big balls. Um, so yeah, he, he's a he's a tough guy as well, and he'd love to dip into training and show us how good he was. He's Mike, you've um, <clears throat> you've stood the test of time. I didn't realize you went back <laughs> that far. Yeah, and to be honest, you're kind of you're you're probably known more for kind of. 2012, 13, and then uh, 2014, you were player of the championship, Six Nations. Um, did you peak a little bit, a little bit later, or um, you kind of took your time maturing and coming through at Harlequins? Yeah, I think I was definitely a late developer and and peaked at a later time. I never played schoolboy rugby at any decent level. Um, I was lucky to get picked up by Quins really. Um, just from playing in their under 19s and 21s teams when you could just turn up and train on a Thursday and Tuesday night um, went with a couple of mates and they used to just link up their academy guys they already had full time with with players that would just come and train on those nights and I was just lucky enough to get picked and then play a couple of second team games and taken into to the academy and I joined the academy at about 18 whereas now they're 15, 16, maybe even younger when they're getting called up. Yeah and then you know I was thrown in 2007 for my first couple of caps and that was um, a very rude awakening into top level rugby I mean we were playing against the team I think that went on to win the World Cup South Africa so you know you can imagine how good they were and they're absolute beasts as well you you would know from playing against them Um, and they absolutely smashed us Um, I got smashed I was terrible Um, it was it was an awful introduction to to test match rugby Um, but I think Looking back at it now, you know, it was terrible at the time, but, you know, I think it, it made me um, want to do it even more. It made me go back and think what the level of difference is and how to to get better and get back up to that level. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't good at the time, but I think, you know, it, it helped me on my journey. Yeah, t- um, tell us about that then. Um, so developing through and getting that exposure um, on the international stage early and then, being being a one club man as well, um, tell us about that at Harlequins. Did you have any opportunities to go elsewhere? Barry was a one club. I was a one club man. Barry was a one club man. But Barry's career was only uh, three. I think it was three years. Um, Barry. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about tell us about that. The importance of that to you, the Harlequins, um, close knit thing. And were there any other ever any opportunities to go elsewhere? Yeah, look, it's it's been great to be a one club man, especially um, the club that's given me the opportunity to be able to achieve what I've achieved and and do things I've you know dreamed of doing and, and making this a, a job. Um, so yeah, it, there has been opportunities to move, and you know I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't. But I think just just that family atmosphere and the, the players I've grown up around, Chris Robshaw, Danny Kerr, I've always. You know, pull me back in when when your your sort of eyes are looking elsewhere and things like that. And, and grass isn't always greener, but you know, I love the club. Um, I am Harlequins through and through. Um, I just wish we were a bit better at the moment, but um, hopefully things will change. But yeah, I've I've, I've loved every minute of it. Um, but you know, I, I would be lying if I didn't sit here and say, you know, sometimes you think, oh, what if I move there? And you know, your contract contract's coming to an end, and you don't have a little listen and look around. Um, there have been times, but nothing concrete. I've always um, ended up signing for Quinns for whatever reason. Um, you know, there is the money factor as well. You know, you'd be lying if that wasn't a big factor, especially when you've got a family. But there is also the fact that, you know, to, especially to start with, Quinns gave me that opportunity. There is the factor that um, 
I'm, I'm playing with great players like Danny Kerr and Chris Walshaw, who I've also grown up with. Um, but there's been times along the way where people like Nick Easter, sort of the old timers, have said to me, look, you could go somewhere else, but how good would it be to achieve something at the, at the club that you've grown up at, um, which we've managed to do in 2012, um, when maybe before that I had been looking around. And also a big factor in me staying at one point was Conor O'Shea. Um, great man, um, brilliant man manager, one of the best I've had. And we've got a great relationship. Um, you know, him being an ex-fullback as well really helped me with my game early on, um, really gave me belief in my game. Um, especially after that period I spoke about where I wasn't up to the level of being an international player and getting that confidence back and building my on my game. So then when I did finally get the opportunity, I was ready. Just him giving me that belief and to stick in there and, and keep working, keep fighting. Um, you know, he's been a big impact on my career. Um, tell, you, you, you seem to have a lot of self-confidence. Um, which is which is admirable, and and it's 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 nice to see someone kind of back themselves. And you do on the pitch, and um, after the obviously um, you didn't make the didn't make the World Cup, and um, as you said, you know it's, it's one man's opinion, and um, you came out and said, and you're reasonably outspoken. You said, you know, I still feel like I'm I'm England's best um, fullback, which is really refreshing. You never hear Irish people say that, and I always think that we never back ourselves, and. Um, it was it was nice to hear someone say, you know what, this is this is what I think. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, and I wonder, does that come more naturally to someone who's a little bit older and just says, you know, I've been around and I've been I've been humble enough, and I've said the the nice thing and the the the, the balanced kind of uh, press conference thing. This is what I think. Um, and with that in mind, I'd like to I'd like to hear how that would impact how you're feeling now, trying to get back um, from injury with that confidence. Yeah, I think, I think you're definitely right that um, I think that comes with age being confident. But when it comes to my rugby, I think I am generally quite confident in my ability, especially now. And, and once I cross that, that line and get on the pitch, I am confident and aggressive and confrontational. But away from the game, I'd say I'm not You've a confident got a person at all. You've got a hard <laughs> No, I'm just, not, I'm just not that a confident person. Like I'd rather be in the background where some people like to be you know, more in the front and a bit louder. I like just like to, you know, take in what's around me, listen more than say, um, a lot quieter, reserved. So it it is a struggle sometimes, especially off the field, getting that confidence and that belief. So like Conor O'Shea, I've, I've been lucky to have great people around me to give me that, give me that confidence. And then I know once I step on the field, it will come even more. Um, but that comment that you're talking about, I think it was, just a belief that it obviously helps that I wasn't in England fold. I can kind of say what I want now because, you know, I had been dropped and all that sort of thing. So it's a lot easier when you're not in, you can say what you want. Um, I'm at a certain age where I can kind of say what I want. Um, and it is what I believe. I think it helped that no one had come in and, and sort of grabbed the England, England 15 jersey by the scruff of the neck. Um, so I can say that if someone was getting mad at a match every week in that position, then I'm just going to stay very quiet. But, um, you know, I, I believe that I can still um, play at the, at the top, top level. Um, before this injury, I felt great. Um, I think, you know, physically I felt great. I felt great in the World Cup camp, but for whatever reason, I didn't quite make it. Going back into Quinns, I was, I was, I was, you know, physically feeling great and giving the young kids a run around as well. Um, and I was playing well up until this injury, but, you know, 
apart from the negative things, I can take a positive from this injury is that my body for the first time in what, 15 years, mm. I can, it can physically refresh mentally, which is such a big thing that everyone looks over. I can refresh as well. I've had time with the family, kind of forced through this, through this period. But, you know, being with England over the last, what, 10 years, you're in and out of camp all the time, like you'd know. Um, you're away from your family a lot. So, you know, now I'm not with England and I am injured. It's forced myself to reset, refresh physically and mentally, and it's only going to be a good thing. It's a Do massive like- motivator, I think, um, spending loads of time with kids to get back into being a national with with in mind uh like the, the rugby play, player's career it's 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 only going to go a certain way like i unfortunately as trimby pointed out was ruled out with a very very cruel injury and would probably would have gone on to much greater things um and then you've the other option of like limping out and and bowing out like probably too young like someone like trimby did kind of pussying out a little bit um or then the third option is to go on as long as possible like i heard johnny sexton saying recently he wants to play as close to 40 uh, Peter Stringer went on to play was he 40, 41 when he was playing and uh, is that something you can you can see yourself doing or, or you've given yourself a target to do? Yeah look I've never given, given myself a target um, obviously I would love to play for as long as possible like every other um, rugby player um, but I haven't given myself a target so I, I feel like if you give yourself a target when you're getting close to that target mentally you'll, you'll switch off and then that's when things start to, to happen in terms of injuries and um, not playing to the level you want and switching off in training and people then catching up with you and taking your jersey. So so for me, I, I just, I'm just i just going to continue as long as, you know, physically I feel right, mentally I feel right, um, which is both how I feel at the moment, apart from obviously my knee. So as long as that progresses and um, I can come back and play the game that I could play before this injury, then I will continue. Um, as long as someone will give me a contract, I'll, I'll continue. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to be that, that guy that's, you know, dragged off the field, you know, not being able to put in the performances that he has previous or anywhere near previous, you know, he's letting his team down, isn't quite up with the pace in training, isn't up with the pace in, in, in games. And then you just get your shirt taken away and, and that's it. And that's what you're remembered for. So as long as I can still play, um, at the top of my game, I'll continue. Um, so let's see how this this, uh, this knee progresses. And it's going well at the moment, so I can't see any reason why I won't continue for a good few years yet. Yeah, the the other thing you've been doing a bit of a uh, bit of work, a bit of chat with um, with Joe Marchant recently about that kind of global season and um, a lot of issues with the with the with the world game really and the way it's structured. Um, you're obviously like you're fundamentally someone who just wants to see an entertaining brand of rugby. And rugby get through this tricky stage we're in now and then get back to thriving um so what's your thoughts on that and how that's going to look and what's what's realistic with what world rugby can bring in yeah that, that that's the main thing for me like you said there's it's thriving um it's not just about having a a game that's you know all core offloads and, and things like that it's about the game thriving for me you know i've grown up um watching the game since the age of five playing the game from that age as well and, and enjoying it as a, as, a, as a supporter, as a fan, as well as being lucky enough to do it as a, as a job and, and doing everything I've been able to do in my career. So it's given me so much. Um, so I want to see the, the game thrive and I want to see it grow. And I just feel it's at the moment just um, bumbling along a bit and, you know, not making money. You know, there's clubs on the brink. There's, there's um, national teams on the brink if you look at Australia. And I don't see why our great game isn't thriving and growing and, 
um, getting to the levels that I feel it should be. And ultimately, giving the players what they should be getting for the, for the work that they do and the bo- what they put their bodies through, as you guys will know. Um, it's a bloody tough sport. And if you compare it to a lot of other sports and what, what they put their bodies through, you know, it's right up there. Um, so I, w- I want to see the game grow. And then also, you know, if it grows, then the money will then feed down to the, to the low levels and the grassroots. So, yeah, it's just about how can we do that and how can we get, make the game more desirable and, and like I said, thrive and make money and, and just grow the game all over the world, um, help the tier two countries to, to grow as well and get up to a level where they're competing for, for World Cups and, and Six Nations and, and um, rugby championships as well. Give them the opportunity to have, to have tours. I would have loved to have gone to a tour to the, to the islands. Mm. Um, I think that mm. would have been an incredible experience. Never managed to, to have that opportunity. Just things like that, um, just to grow the game. And, and hopefully my son will want to play and, and it'll be at a point where it has grown and, and it will be even better. But that's where I was getting at, really. And um, that was what the, the chat with Joe was ultimately about. It wasn't trying to have a dig at the game and be one of them bitter yeah. old guys. Um, no, it came across uh, yeah, totally uh, like that, man. If, you know, when I was reading it, uh, it um it excited me a few things you said especially the thoughts of us playing more games throughout the summer and uh and as you said in in that in that chat it was about you know the game has has moved on massively professionally but we haven't changed the structure of the tournaments or the season and um i'm sure there'd be a lot of people that would have arguments against having a summer competition but how good would it be i know in limerick here with Thomond park around the corner how good it would be to have uh European Cup and, and and Pro 14 games here every week from May through the whole summer uh, up until September, October. Fast running rugby, people out enjoying the summer's day um, watching rugby. I mean, I just can't see a negative side to that. Um, and then giving players maybe a break in, in the winter months, as, uh, as kind of you said in that, where pitches are, mightn't be as good, the running rugby mightn't be as, as good to watch. Um, we get Christmas know, off as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is, the, is there any is there any negatives to it? I I don't see like is that a sponsorship thing that would that would that come in or or what is it exactly? I think the front five will have um, something to say about that because they really <laughs> yeah. do, do a lot more running. I think also as well, you look at um, uh, the rugby calendar. I think it, as well, it it's worth putting into the equation about aligning the, the southern northern hemisphere because I think that will help the game as well. Um, just in terms of workload, but also um, just having the calendars aligned and, and everyone on the same page. I think that will also help the game as well. But yeah, I just want to see a bit more, a bit more action, a bit more open rugby, a bit, a bit more of a faster pace without losing, you know, obviously things like the set piece and, um, and things like that. But yeah, just, just having more action and, and something that's going to draw people to the game and make it more desirable, whether you fully know the rules or not, if you're getting those, offloads and those big runs and people stepping people and playing on fast tracks and seeing those highlights it's going to get you into the game and and that's only going to be good for us you know in, in terms of, of the growth um but yeah i, I kind would of address that i would interest an american market all of a sudden um you know american sports would get onto it and they know how to do live sport um mm. and and if there were less barriers to entry like if the, if if supporters were less less purists and just slightly less set piece oriented um, mm. like the the biggest thing you know, rugby's done recently is is remove the law where you can score a try at the base of the posts, which was, <laughs> which was a dumb one anyway. Uh, uh, you did actually, Mike. You did contribute to 
to not um, do a law, but not kicking the ball to the rock after you kick Murray in the head. That's I know, <laughs> yeah, I do know that. I'm really aware. Yeah, and it was a, just a, just to clarify, it was an accident, and actually, I didn't kick him in the head. It was more the 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 backwards motion that caught him. So I would say that his head was actually on the wrong side, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I obviously took a lot of, lot of um, heat and stick from, from your fellow countrymen for that. Um, yeah. I'm not they, sure. But they don't know, they don't know the new, they don't, yeah. don't know the new rebranded Mike Brown, though they don't know that you've got a heart of gold and you're a sweetheart. Well, and I've helped change the, the, the rules in rugby. So, you know, yeah. everyone's a winner at the end of the day. You're blazing a trail. No, I think maybe the first two might've been, accidental but i think the third and fourth kicks to the head were probably <laughs> I just, yeah i just got too enthusiastic and yeah uh, i know yeah. I, I love I when you're watching it, it i love when you're watching that like four or five years later and yeah. uh at the yeah. t- at the time you're watching it you're like as an irish person you're like my god but then a few years later in hindsight you're like if 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 i was an english supporter i'd be like yeah get into it or that's rugby that's the beauty of it right it's like whoever whoever side you're on as long as uh, it's going your way yeah look p- people seem to love to hate me so i'm always going to get stick for for things a lot less less than that usually so i can understand it but yeah it was an accident and like i said his his head was in, in the way of my boots so <laughs> i'm going to put the blame on him yeah. So Mike, listen, um, we've we've taken up we've took up enough of your time. We know you really you're really enthusiastic about getting back to your your toddler there to, to do your fair share <laughs> sure. of babysitting. I'm sure, you need a bit more content. We can uh, <laughs> do that if you want. You can just pretend to your missus that you're still on the call there. Just say yeah, yeah every yeah. now and again. Be like that. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cheers. Yeah, great. So we're we're delighted that we could contribute in some way to the rebranding of of Michael Brown. He's an absolute yeah. sweetheart and he's got a heart of gold. This is the new Mike Brown, everyone. <laughs> thanks yeah. a lot for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's been great. Namaste. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. 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 Thanks, thanks a lot. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. We are joined all the way from New Zealand by Conan O'Donnell. What's going on, man? Uh, how did a man from Sligo end up playing super rugby in New Zealand? Oh, geez. It's been a big year for me, really. So I was let go from Comet in April last year, and then I ended up going to the Sunwolves for six weeks to the end of their year. And then from there, I got an offer to go to Counties Manica to play Mitre 10. And then from there, I didn't know what I was at when that was over. Um, I had no contract. So with Super Rugby teams, they're only allowed two international players, and all the rosters were full. So I um, went to Austin, Texas for my holidays after my return and didn't know what I was going at. And my agent messaged me saying, Crusaders might have a spot for you for the preseason. So I ended up booking a return flight to Christchurch without a visa, nothing, hoping that uh, it all went to plan and that the Crusaders thing went through. So eventually they contacted me, signed the contract when I was in Austin, flew over to Christchurch, um, was there for the preseason. And for the first week of the off season, or for the real season, and then Highlanders actually needed a prop injury cover, so I ended up just moving to um, moving to Neaton from Christchurch on a Wednesday, and I was in with the uh, Highlanders the next day, and then I was playing the following week against the Brumbies. So it's been a it's been a mad year for me, really, but I've been loving it. Wow, 
And what's uh, what's what's it like now? Are you back training? We've seen like a few teams that you're back doing preseason. I know there's games starting in June, so I can see by the smile on your face that you're in a different part of lockdown to than what we're in. So uh, give us an idea of what 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 you're allowed to do at the moment. Yeah. So um, just off Thursday last week, we've gone into level two. So that means the restaurants are open. You're allowed to sit in. Uh, gyms are opened. I think libraries are opened. Um, bowling alleys, all, all that jazz is open. Uh, the only thing that isn't open is the pubs, but that'll be open in about two weeks' time, I think. But everything has like some restrictions on it. But like, it's realistically back normal. Everyone's out working, and I think, yeah, everyone's just chatting to each other down by the beach and everything. So it's it's pretty much back to normal life for us. Oh, and wow! You um, you, you strike me based on the story you, you told us that quickly. You don't strike me as someone who suits isolation. It's like a one minute <laughs> Japan, the next New Zealand, <laughs> Texas, back to New Zealand, changing franchise. Like, how, how did you find isolation with 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 kind of that that build up into it? Yeah, so um, I'm probably keeping myself busy for the whole time. Really, like I was just fell up in the house, but we have a pitch nearby us. So we did a lot of training and we, we got to get our nice little home gym and we had a walk bike. But I suppose in between keeping me busy is probably the worst thing. Like I, at the start, I got a bit of Lego, played a bit of football manager and what else was I doing? Yeah, can't even remember. It's been that long. But um, I was just keeping myself busy doing all the random sorts of things and just like doing stuff at the house, playing board games and Monopoly deals and whatnot. I don't suppose you've got the chance to potential uh, to watch uh, normal people and um, experience like re-experience that kind of nostalgia like just imagine you were you're Connell and just um, think about your your Marianne yeah is that what Sligo life is it. like <laughs> oh, you haven't oh, oh. I haven't watched it but I've just seen the uproar on Twitter about it and like uh, the family group chats I was taking the piss of it but like I hear it's very good and the whole world seems to be obsessed with this Connell fella so yeah. yeah, Sligo is on the map, big time, man. I know. I met a met a girl here. Sexy in the Sligo. I was, I was telling her from Sligo, and the only reason she knew Sligo was because of normal people. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> get get yourself a little chain. He wears a chain in it. That's that's like, I think every every shop in in the world is now selling out of little little gammy silver chains because uh, Connell wears them so. Get yourself one of them. I'm sure, sure the place is flooded with them back home. Everyone has them back home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what's training like? You back, you're back doing, I presume, some sort of free uh, pre-season at the moment? Yeah, so that tournament is starting the 13th of June, I think. So uh, landers are due to train this week. But I'm not actually sure if I'm involved at the moment because I was injury cover at, uh, just right before the pandemic started. So I was with the team, then isolation happened and my contract ran out during isolation. So okay. I'm just waiting to see if I'll be involved in this tournament upcoming. So if not, um, hopefully I will. But if not, I'll just be waiting for counties again in September time. That's September. Okay, so there's nothing else going yeah. on outside of uh, outside of these uh, interprovincial games? No. Well, there'll be a bit of club rugby and stuff going on, but that's yet to be decided now because of the whole level two stuff. Yeah, and come here. What was that season like up until the pandemic kicked in? You you had a you know you had a, a bumpy enough ride. There was a few losses and uh, and a win and a draw. I think. Um, what was the general vibe like in the Highlanders? Was it a were you kind of were you under pressure or what was it like? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Like everyone's kind of. I know. Like I think we had really good players, but the team just was starting to gel. But like obviously we were losing games and 
probably underperforming a bit, maybe, but um, just weren't clicking enough because, like, a new team, the team, the lad, it's a uh, twelve new players compared to last season. They lost like a lot of players through, like, just after the World Cup, lads going to Japan and France. But uh, I, I felt we were about to kick on into something good, and we were about to start winning matches. We were about to play the Jaguars, but that was just gone. And then we just had to fly home into isolation. So. Mm. And what's it like for for you as an Irish lad over there? Um, you know, you're one of the first to really do this. Uh, is are you are you kind of learning a lot, picking up a lot? I mean, you're playing with some of the best players in the world, Aaron Smith and Shannon Frizzell, and uh, I know Miller Scholar be back back training now. Um, is it is it you know you're you're someone that's probably doing something that every Irish player has dreamed of doing for their entire lives? How is it for you being on the ground down there? That's been unbelievable, yeah. Carrie's um, dreamed of uh, playing Super Rugby, but probably dreamed of playing rugby back home in Ireland, but I've just been loving the experience. So everything's just been happening. <laughs> like one thing after another, it's just been a really exciting journey. But um, yeah, I suppose being a young boy from Ireland, all the lads are slagging me here. I don't think they've played with many Irish lads before. And every time I say the word tree, they just rip the piss out of me. So besides <laughs> that, it's going pretty well. That's class, and if you so, I presume like you'd have aspirations of still coming back and playing playing some some rugby back here. And um, do you miss home uh, at times like this, or 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 have you any plans to come home anytime? anytime I don't soon? think I'd miss being in isolation at the moment. But um, I, like rugby wise, I'd like to come back home. I'm not really sure yet. I haven't heard from any teams back home at the moment. But um, I'm initially I'd planned to come home a lot earlier mm. than I have. But I'm just loving New Zealand. So I just keep deciding to stay on longer and longer. With the more, the more I stay here, the more I enjoy it. So it must be something the water in Dunedin. Yeah, for sure. Jesus, we're jealous. We're very jealous, man. Um, so come here. Have you done anything? Anything? You know, New Zealand is re- renowned for outdoor pursuits, um, that kind of way of life. Has that, have you taken to anything like that when you're when you're living down there? I haven't um, gone hunting at all. A few of the lads are really into it, but I haven't uh, gone hunting. But I went um, out in the fishing boat with, one of, with Ollie Yeager and his girlfriend. We went out, I was staying with him when I was up in Christchurch. So we went out in the fishing boat, caught some crayfish. So that was pretty. That's pretty cool. Cool thing to see. Um, I got a surfboard there uh, last week, so I'm just living near the beach. So I'm trying to learn how to surf now. Jeez. Not going too well, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Catch a yeah, few barrels. I'm- what about Oliver? What about Oliver Jaeger? How's he getting on? Good, yeah. So he's a he's an absolute gentleman. Fella. I had a great time. So I was living with him when I was in um, Christchurch, and yeah, they, they really like him there. He's doing really well. So I reckon they could the, be. They stuck the two parties together. Before. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Couldn't get away from them. I was up in Pukekohe before this, and I didn't meet, meet an Irish single Irish person, and I thought I was avoiding them all until I went to Christchurch and met him. So. <laughs> So they, they, they put the two Irish guys together and the two Irish guys go to Irish bars. And um, <laughs> I've, been, uh, they, I've been keeping well away from them. So. I'm not the type of person to go on holidays and go straight to the Irish bar. So. I know some people are renowned for it, but that wouldn't yeah, be my pick, see. Picture wearing a pair of GA shorts as pasty as fuck down on the, down on the beach trying to surf. <laughs> We were laughing we around in the water. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were down at Hadley Park fucking a ball, ball around us some days, but don't put the height of it. Like some random fellow from Waterford came up to us and said, chat to us. Yeah, brilliant. Well, you've you've started to get a little bit of uh, a New Zealand twang. I can hear it. Can you hear it, Trimby? No. 
Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you kind of you kind of go you kind of go up at the end of some of your sentences. You kind of go up like that. <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm hoping you're. Oh, did you? I'm hoping some of your mates are listening Probably. to this man. They're going to sew it into your, your family. Um, and how, how are your family back home? Are you, are you in touch with them a lot? Um, yeah, they're all doing pretty well. Away. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We had a family Zoom call there a few weeks ago, so it was good to catch up with everyone. A few, few family had birthdays on during all this. So. But uh, everyone's doing pretty well. So mum's actually had a retirement party there this week. So uh, my sister put on a little feed for her. So it was pretty nice. Good on her. Sad I'm missing that, but sure. That's the way it is. Yeah. Well, look, hopefully your mum can listen in and this will this will make her make her proud to see her boy. Oh pure proud Irish mammy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well look, we'll uh we'll let you back to, to, to it's probably bedtime there now. So uh you've uh you we'll let you either go play some gaming or whatever you children do these days. And uh it's, um... And best of luck with everything, man. We hope you get back into the Highlanders for the season. And uh, Cheers, thanks thank for joining us. Good morning, right, have a good one. See you. Thank Cheers, you. buddy. Sam, man. COVID-19 or coronavirus is here. By taking a few simple steps, we can slow the virus down and help protect everyone. Wash your hands more often for at least 20 seconds with soap and water. If you cough or sneeze, use a tissue or cover your mouth with your elbow, then bin the tissue and wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth and keep surfaces clean. Distance yourself at least two metres, six feet away from other people, especially those who might be unwell. Stop shaking hands or hugging when saying hello or greeting other people. For updated factual information and advice, go to hse.ie or call 1850-24-1850. Protection from coronavirus. It's in our hands. Over the weekend, we gave you all your classic homework to do each week. We'll be discussing a classic movie, an album, a rugby match. Uh, this week, we had our rugby game was Leinster versus Toulouse, or Toulouse versus Leinster, we should say, from the 2006 European Cup quarter final. Um, what a game of rugby. 41-35, Leinster won. Um, my description of this, Trimby, is it's retro, right? And I say retro because... Uh, we've been watching a lot of classic rugby over the last few months uh, during COVID. And uh, because it's old, it's called classic, but it's they're not that enjoyable to watch, a lot of them. Some of them are good. Standard of rugby in like games, maybe in the 80s and 90s, isn't great. So sometimes it's not that enjoyable to watch. Nice nostalgic feeling. But I think in 2006, there was just this perfect balance of it being uh, a little bit old school that it was... Uh, that it gives you nice nostalgia, but the professionalism had gotten to such a good level that the athleticism was brilliant. The skill level was brilliant. Uh, so it made for an unbelievable game, but then we hadn't gotten to that level of um, structure and coaching that the game, uh, which potentially has we gotten to now where the games kind of slow down a lot. There's a, you know, players don't play, as instinctively maybe as they did back then. So I think we just had this perfect blend of uh, of retro rugby where it was so fast, so exciting, thrilling, and a little bit of caution to the wind with some of the best players in the world. I would say something similar, but I would say that this game or this period of time was just about the beginning of the end 
So this marked the turnaround. Leinster then went on to to have like a period of a lot of uh, a lot of success, uh, mm. and then to lose <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the, the the beginning of the end for like that kind of romantic kind of French style of rugby. Yeah, because and and I'm say I say the beginning of the end because this they they got done basically, and I thought the big difference yeah. between both sides was Leinster just were more organized in defense. I think pure and simple, that was probably just it. Mm. And uh, they, it was, I loved it though. I thought it was brilliant. And actually the some of the skill on display from Toulouse was incredible. Oh. Their switch plays, mm. their switch plays were class. They disguised them so well. Having said that, um, Jujon was unbelievable. Um, Michelac, I'd, if Michelac was playing now, now I know he only retired, actually not that long ago, if he was playing the way he was playing in 2006 now, <laughs> he would struggle massively. His passing, would, massively. his passing's incredible, but he he does that mm. like real old school vintage like hip hip thing, where he thinks yeah. he thinks because my hips are pointing that direction, this defender is gonna be <laughs> be fooled into thinking that I'm going to run that direction when the ball is over here. Yeah. <laughs> He did that yeah, every time yeah. he was at the line. And then to be fair, he did surprise the defense a couple of times by throwing a class pass at the top. But generally, his passing was incredible. But generally, you kind of knew what he was going to do. And you certainly knew he wasn't going to be a threat himself because he, he was nearly on the ground. Like he was so, he was so sideways. But yeah, I think I know exactly what you mean. And you know what? I, like to go back quickly back to the sports gene, that book I'm reading, there's something in it that says that like when athletes at the top of their game, when they look at a game, at a game they they're not as much in the moment, but they're looking at the whole pitch as kind of like a, a, a um, how would you say a pattern. So everything has a pattern. So when he would look at him doing that, he would have seen it in the past where you do that and someone will follow the dummy. But then you've got certain players on the Leinster team who would be stuck in the same pattern, and some of them would buy that stupid dummy because that was even though they knew it was a dummy because the hips are going this way or something, but they still do it. But it wasn't, it was the other people that were now being trained out of it, like the better Leinster players who weren't following the dummies. I might be losing some people on this. I'm just <laughs> totally coming off this top of my head. But I know what you mean. Um, One thing on, like, that, on the on the sports gene, um, you mentioned earlier on about how basketball is more free-flowing, so you get into flow and into the zone more. Um, yeah. that's a lot easier to do in 2006 when the scrums were about three seconds long <laughs> wasn't it amazing how they how they like okay knock on scrum and the scrum is together within well we better get seconds. on with it fellas yeah. <laughs> and then three seconds long and they're out yeah, yeah. I love that oh. and one other Look, thing that's, that's died since then is the spiral oh, Dennis Hickey's left boot was phenomenal, yes. and yeah. the, the the length he was getting on it because of the spiral. Um, yeah, was was he was he the kind of the only one spiraling? Was there anyone else? Jujian jo, uh, was um, spiraling. Toulouse just didn't didn't kick the ball very often. Contepomi was I don't don't think he kicked a huge amount either. He's just running everything. But the yeah. use of Dennis Hickey's left boot as a as a wipers, which has probably gone out of the game a bit now, um, was pretty impressive. Um, and look, yeah, the, the back to Toulouse, like you're naming some of the players there. They're, the majority of the team were French. I think like 13 of the players in that side were were French. Poitrano, Clerc, Chausian, Fritz, Heymans, Michelac, Elisad, 
um, Palou, um, Nyanga, then you'd obviously Trevor Brennan thrown in there in the mix, which is hilarious. Very like the way that, that Dunnick Orion is. I wonder yes. if Dunnick Orion is kind of fitting that mold down there now. Um, yeah, he is definitely. Um, so like, but Nyanga they just, you're, you're right. They, who? Nyanga. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a ridiculous to lose team, but you're right. They didn't really, like Michelac had no interest in controlling the game. It was like, they just wanted to go out and play that French flair rugby and Leinster could could defend most of the time or scramble for a lot of it and do well. And like some of the Leinster players, like Malcolm O'Kelly, man, you kind of forget, for me anyway, because I, I suppose I played with and against Mal towards the end of his career, sometimes like maybe 2008, 2009, where he was slowing down a little bit. You forget how much of it. And because he's so big, you don't, you assume that he maybe wasn't able to move that yeah, well. But he, he was unbelievable. He was though. Jeez. He's an, yeah. He was so quick and fit he was like put in some shift that day um and then just yeah i think leinster's two tries were were pretty class uh drick here's one right dricko's try um which came from a line out just inside the just outside the leinster or the toulouse 22 shaggy took an inside line off contapomi made a break and then Dricko, and then he gave it back to Contepomi, and Dricko ran a hard line of Contepomi, right? Mm-hmm. That wouldn't happen today because there would be uh, a pattern put in place that would probably have Dricko involved in a third or fourth phase where he's going to be have to stay out. So his line of running would have would wouldn't wouldn't have happened in today's game. Whereas if you look at the way, it's so jarring almost to watch it now because you're like, you don't see that line of a 13 plugging a hole like that. He just said, I'm running this hole, give me the ball. And that was his strength. I think he would always just run those holes. Whereas if that was happening today, he wouldn't have ran a support line like that. Um, I think there's a hole missing in, in, in backline play at the moment for 13s especially maybe trailing wingers and 15s to hit those hard lines or to just have the foresight to see if someone's going to make a short break or a little break and get their hands free, that there's a hole there. And um, I don't know, it was just a lovely reminder of how good he was at doing that. Yeah, but it's also like the, I think the offload from Contepomi was was more impressive than the line from Drico. Uh, the, the, I think the offload, because he just, yeah. it, was so, it was so smooth um, and it was just mm. right in the bread basket. Um I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I thought like Shaggy's line was obviously good. he kind of just caught. I think the tail gunner from the line out went towards Contepomi, uh, mm. and then he kind of got, just got caught napping a little bit. I think the difference nowadays is that the teams are so much more well rehearsed and so much more clear in who they've got in defence. That Shaggy maybe wouldn't have been able to blindside that guy in the first place. That's I've more yeah. of an issue with that. Where where did Dar where did Darsh go? <laughs> in that <laughs> yeah, they just that move disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why is Drago next to the next one of the ball? <laughs> he could have been running that little uh, that little play where the twelve goes under the thirteen. That was kind of the, like you yeah. saw a lot of those kind of plays. Like you saw the the birth of the Leinster loop. I think was was kind of starting, and it wasn't oh. as well. Uh, it wasn't obviously as performed, or or, uh, or 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 the skill level wasn't there to make it as good as it became because it was unstoppable for probably 2010, 2011, those years. But back then it was a little bit labored. 
Yeah, you know what, what what move would work even less than that play? Uh, and actually, I think that play maybe could would still work, but this one definitely wouldn't. Um, the one that, that um, Shaggy scored off, where they, they go the whole way to one side <laughs> of the pitch, and they just do a wrap play, and then sweep all the way, all the way back. Yeah, it's I remember. so old school. It's like something... I remember that school. so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was... What did you say? It was like something you'd see in school. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was yeah. uh, one hit up and then was it Darius came back blind? Um, yeah, and then yeah. It was like listening to a vintage song or something like that. You're like, oh my <laughs> God, do you remember with that? We would try stuff like that in school. Yeah, I think it would only work because like Toulouse were struggling at that point uh, to get back yeah. into the game. But <clears throat> I think once I was in, I was in Lansdowne Road watching that because uh, Munster were playing Perpignan in the quarterfinal, the other quarterfinal, uh, at five o'clock. <clears throat> and I think that match was on at three, so I was watching it on a laptop because I was on the radio. I'd broken my leg the week before, so I was on the radio watching or doing, doing uh, radio in, or whatchamacallit, commentary for the game. So mm-hmm. I was in Lansdowne Road watching it. I remember seeing uh, Dennis Hickey's try and going, Jesus. That was pretty yeah, class. class, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Okay, we'll move on from that anyway, and we'll get to our classic movie, right? So this week, as I said earlier on, all these things were telling me that I need to go back to college and uh, how interesting it would be to go back to college and how much it would change my perspective on the world. Because, right, college and universities around the world are like a hotbed for cultural and social change and all that kind of crack. Um, maybe not as much in Limerick as they would be in somewhere like uh, Harvard or Yale, but um, <laughs> saying that, you never know. So I would, I just loved the idea of throwing myself back into it. And I was thinking, I was like, well, what am I, what's my perspective on it? And it's, it's basically just what I've seen in all the college movies over the years. So we compiled our top 10 college campus movies and basically to decide what kind of person because you can be when you go to college as you've seen by by Colin and Marianne you like Marianne's become a whole new person right when she went back to college you can literally just make up who you want to be um so we kind of decide which college person we want to be so the 10 films we went with were at number 10 Van Wilder uh pretty hilarious film um watched bits of it back didn't didn't enjoy it as much as I remember enjoying it. It's a, it can be a bit douchey, but um, it fits. It fits the role, as you know. There's, there's. It's it kind of ticks a lot of boxes. I think the criteria, sorry, for this uh, college campus film is you have to have the hero, the main guy, who's very likable. Um, he's got himself in a little predicament, and he's got to get himself out of it. And he surrounded himself with certain people, like the nerd. Um, the kind of weird guy that uh, becomes quite useful, the crazy guy that's ridiculous but hilarious, and then like Nemesis, which is like maybe the Dean or the Jock or the kind of rich kid that's just an asshole. Um, then you have the love interest, whoever they might be, uh, guy or girl, um, and then the journey that they go on. And they all seem to be centered around love as well. And the finding of love. Is that what college is really? When you come out of school and you've been conforming to this 
uh, you know, under very restricted kind of uh, guidelines and, and movements. But then you get to college and you can do what you want. And it's love, sex, romance, crack, drink, drugs, rock and roll. Uh, not for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it was, more, it it was, was training. More. It's training at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was training, but lots of crack, loads of crack. Um, it wasn't. I wouldn't say we got to experience the the, the coming of age, the kind of independence, and kind of remodel your shit, your, yourself, and kind of rediscover yourself. I don't think we really did that a little bit because you're living out of the house, and I was kind of quite excited to to get away and kind of find my feet um we um we 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 basically we didn't really leave the house we didn't turn on the tv there were there was no internet like we didn't have wi-fi or nothing we didn't have smartphones we just had to crack all the time and we were a little bit more creative with our crack and our games we played we played a lot of indoor sports we played a lot of um indoor cricket indoor golf um we played um indoor golf yeah, with the divots in the carpet. <laughs> I'm concerned that our uh, landlord from the time might be listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we smashed countless light bulbs. One light bulb. I just remember our housemate came in one day, smashed the football, I just hit the light bulb, the light bulb shattered everywhere. And he was like, lads, I'm so sorry, I've got to go. Can you clean this up? <laughs> so... Uh, then we kind of turned we, we started to get a little bit more creative and we started playing darts and then as any group of lads that played darts together how long does it take before someone goes to the like, the furthest corner of the room and then tries to hit the dartboard from there it's it's the most inevitable thing that always ends up happening but then Something we went breaking. yeah 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 so we went a little bit a step further and we started playing um, darts in the dark so we would like line up our shot and then someone would turn off the light and everyone would go <laughs> <laughs> and then someone would launch this dart at the dartboard we called it darks but ah oh, genius yeah. well, yeah, well look, we i think the sorry go on <laughs> we took the darts um out onto the stairs and we discovered that um if you like it's quite technical though if you were able to underarm the dart up the stairs you could hit the ceiling in the bathroom and you could create sparks um so like um, we start, we did that for weeks. That was a fun game. Um, what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what else did we do? Uh, oh, uh, you're um, you're kind of expected to do it, aren't you? As a, as a yeah. student, it's like this is what you're there to do. You're there to be an absolute clown and throw darts up the stairs. I think so. I think we play fireball mm. in the street as well. Mm. Um, we find fireball. Is that like? <laughs> um, like after Christmas, like four months into our first term we realized that there was a, a bottle of methylated spirits sitting on the shelf in the living room. And, and we were like, why on earth have we never thought to do something with that? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, then we um, like um, doused a little tennis balls with meth and then um, started like just kicking these balls away the street at nighttime on, f- <sighs> on fire. Wow. Obviously, sorry. On yeah, fire. On fire. Yeah. So that, was yeah. Fun. that was a fun game. Um, oh my god i want to do that now can you play tennis with that with the balls that's a great idea yeah yeah that's what i assumed fireball would be no just kick them <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like i college. said you're you were good you did a good co- like stint in college that's that's all like ticks all these boxes that i'm looking through these films mm-hmm. i didn't know i was quite 
I don't know, uh, you're in the academy and all that kind of cracks here. And I was living at home. This is the problem. I had to live at home in college. Yeah. I was living in the Limerick. So you can't do that. You can't be throwing darts up the stairs where your parents are there. Like, fuck. <laughs> um, Watch yourself there, mom. Your, <laughs> your younger sister <laughs> brushing her teeth and there's a fucking dart flying past her face <laughs> from her 20-year-old brother. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, we'll rattle through our top 10. So we had Van Wilder, as I said. Um, uh, goodwill hunting so we could go back and be it's a bit far-fetched because I'm not a mathematical genius but like <laughs> it's a nice way to pre- to present yourself to go into college like that maybe get a job as a janitor so people don't you know don't think you're you're above yourself you know you're a mathematical genius um, and uh, but I, I don't know if that'll fit because I don't think any of us have many issues we're grand aren't we uh, yeah we're, we're fine I think Will, hunt, Will Hunting was a bit troubled God bless them. We need to get Matt Damon on the show. Matt Damon's living in Dorky. How we've been talk, we've literally talked about Matt Damon every single week since the lockdown happened, without referencing that he's he's in Dorky. And he's in Dorky. I remember you yeah. saying this in the group. I didn't understand what you meant. Yeah, he's in Dorky. He he was over here to do a, a film, and it was obviously shut down. So he just rented a house, and he's living up in Dorky, having the crack. Oh. Um, and he seems like a great fella. He was on a radio show there the other day in Dublin. So let's get him on. But anyway, uh, number eight, we had Monsters University from Monsters Inc. Unbelievable film. Nice for the kids to look at as well. So the kids get an idea of what. And it takes all of these boxes that I'm talking about. Like it has all these different characters in it, despite being quite PC. Um, but it's a, a great film. Um, but we're not monsters um, and we're not children. So it's probably not, not that... Um, not that, that, that um, suitable Waterboy classic um, I haven't watched it in a while but I stuck it in there we've probably done the sport thing so I'm not I'm not going to go down that route now you put in number 6 22 Jump Street I haven't seen it uh, yeah. worth a watch yeah definitely but if you didn't like you didn't like 21 Jump Street so you'll not like 22 22 Jump Street's interesting that it's a, it's a similar concept to um, it's something similar to to normal people in that they go back to uni and then all of a sudden Channing Tatum is the he's the one who's not popular despite him being the jock and him the popular one in the first one and then Jonah uh, Hill he's the cool kind of um, slightly more woke or slightly more I don't know see that's um, that's what I'm worried about going back to college now that's good that they did that I might watch it because mm. college life has changed a lot like you can't make a lot of these films anymore because you know, you've seen like the the in in the universities and in Canada where gender pronouns have come in now, where you there's laws against what you call someone and stuff, and they're they're it's causing a lot of uproar. So there's a lot of PC problems, whereas a lot of these films are the most on PC films on the planet, and yeah. you just wouldn't get away with making them these days. So I'd hate to arrive back in and be like <laughs> thinking that I could be like fecking Stifler, and which I I'm not saying I would, but um. Yeah, it's seen, different uh, worlds, right? Have you seen Billy Madison? Mm. Do you know whenever he arrives at, at college in his car and he's like sitting on the college and uh, sitting on the car on the bonnet and he's like thinking he's the cool guy because he was <laughs> the cool guy back before and mm. then um, he just doesn't fit in and then he's in the chemistry class and he's like, he goes, um, chlorophyll, more like borophyll. <laughs> <laughs> and the joke like, just goes completely flat. Um, yeah. that, I, that I imagine like on the same age as 
I'm the same age as Homer Simpson now, which is mind blowing. Um, so you grow up watching these films and you think like, oh man, imagine when I go to college, I'm going to be like that guy. Or when you're in college, you're going, ah, I know everyone that's like that guy. Whereas you never consider yourself to be the old guy that's going back to college like Homer Simpson. Um, and now I'm like, Jesus, remember when Homer goes back to college and yeah, he's that guy. He, he doesn't really fit in. No one gets him, um, which is very worrying. Uh, the, the social network I have down is number five. Um, brilliant film and it's the reality it's like it has all the elements that all these films have but it's obviously fucking real because Mark Zuckerberg is that nerd that he's supposed to be the the hero but he's not he's like the opening scene of that social network versus the opening scene of Goodwill Hunting where or the opening start the start where he impresses Mini Driver in Goodwill Hunting by doing something cool and proving that he's smart Whereas the social network is Mark Zuckerberg trying to trying to chat up a girl and he just makes her feel like a like this small and he just looks like a douchebag because he's mm. he's too socially inept that he can't he doesn't know how to talk to girls mm. uh, and he's just too smart and he's too <laughs> arrogant and it's he's like, douchey ah, he's douchey the whole way through it though isn't he because he's douchey to his mate as well oh yeah fucks him over. Um, so I think I like that story, but I don't. And do you know what? What's funny about that one is that it's like, even though himself and uh, Sean Parker, who's Justin Timberlake's character, and they both, you know, he's, he started Napster and Zuckerberg started Facebook. The both of them, the reason for doing it was to get girls, which is even though they've created two of the most, you know, socially, uh, the things that changed our, you know, society more than anything else ever um maybe not napster but definitely facebook but yet they were only doing it to get girls it's brilliant yeah. and to be cool um but i don't think we're going to do that either so no position is there legally blonde i had down as number four become a sassy sexy lawyer yeah, I never, I, I haven't watched it, and uh, I just, I've watched the, I just watched the trailer this morning. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, Reese Witherspoon, like she, she, she's pretty funny, but um, I, well, I remember when this came out. Way. When this came out, my girlfriend at the time wanted to go. I think we went to the cinema to watch it, and it was, I was two hours of my life that I never thought I'd get back. But my mate rang me afterwards. He's like, "What are you up to? I want to see Legally Blonde." He was like, "What the?" And I was like. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon, she gets her boobs out at the end of it, man. It's class. So he, uh, <laughs> I think he went to it like a couple of days later and sat through the whole thing just to see if Reese Witherspoon gets her boobs out. And she does not. Um, number, th- the top three then went with Road Trip. Um, it's, it's just the quintessential college film for me. Um, <clears throat> ticks all the boxes. Has a very good main kind of guy <clears throat> and they don't make college movies like this anymore but it has has the nerdy guy that Kyle fella who's just outstanding you, I mean where would you find characters like that anymore they just don't exist Tom Green is kind of the weird friend who makes the film and then you Stifler who isn't called Stifler in it but I think he a lot of people have issues with uh, what's his name Sean William Scott uh-huh. don't like him I think he's I just think he 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 played that role. Someone had to play that role, right? As the stiffler. And he does it. the only role he could play. Yeah, but he does it like like it's he's a master. He's yeah. so funny, man. Um but but I think Tom Green steals the 
the show for me. So that's number two. Then, or that's number three. Pitch perfect. Number two. Uh huh. Right. No, I've never seen it. I'm so what? I thought you watched it last night. I was to watch it last night, but I couldn't find it anywhere, so I didn't watch it. So, um, I'm sorry, but you have to you have to take over and tell me. <laughs> Pitch Perfect is one of my not necessarily not even just college um, movies top ten. Like it's one of my top ten of all time. <laughs> it's amazing. There's like there's nothing not to love, and 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 you um, uh, haven't really. You've been very, you've been holding back on me a little bit, or you haven't been kind of taking my word for this because of what I said about the greatest showman. Because I like the greatest showman, and you're not so sure. Um, um, but for me, um, Pitch Perfect is incredible. Anna Kendrick's brilliant. Um, it's very funny. They're singing, there's dancing, there's nothing not to love. For me, it's just, it's just brilliant, and it's the start of um, what do you call Fatty Amy? What was that actor's name? Who? Fatty Amy, the Australian. Um, oh Australian Rebel Wilson. Wilson yes it's the start yeah, of her she, as well she's brilliant I do like her she's brilliant um, she was in Jojo Rabbit which we were talking about recently yes that's she's right she's brilliant yeah. in that yeah. what a film go watch that um, okay look I, again I, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to watch it but I will I will catch up on it um, I, I'm not sure if I could position myself maybe I could because I sing and I dance well, I don't dance but I sing but I could go back <laughs> it, it's potential I, it has potential that I could position myself could you see me as one of them? I just think I wonder are you too are you too are you too proud? Cause like you know, because you've got this kind of alternative kind of like folk kind of um uh, brand, maybe like you've got this kind of you know you got didgeridoos and you've got <laughs> you've got you've got it all, but like I think you gotta just embrace the all singing, all dancing, all cheesy tunes. I do. No, I do. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a variety. This is why I want to go back to college. I want to take it all in. I want to have color and I want to have variety and just, uh, <laughs> just a different view on life and perspective from everywhere else and any, um, which leads me on to old school as our number one film, because I think as a college film, it takes all the boxes. I know we've talked about this before, but it just has it all. It has, um, you know, it's the creme de la creme of college movies. The best actors, best cast, music. Like the mu- the soundtrack is so important. And we'll get to that in a minute. The soundtrack of a college movie should be quite diverse and should kind of just be quite open, not just mm-hmm. very genre related, which a lot of them, the ones we've listed, can be very genre related. Yeah. I think when you're in college, you've got to listen to a bit of everything from old to new to weird to mainstream. Um, and then, yeah. It's if I go back to college, right? I think I would fit most in as one of these characters. Um, whether, and you know what I love about it is that he goes, what's his name? Luke Wilson goes to college and he he meets all these new people in his fraternity, but then he takes his friends with him. So, so he's not just going in just forgetting about who he is. He just goes in and bees, he's himself, even though he doesn't go back to college, but he's in the fraternity. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, he takes Vince Vaughn with him, who's just a brilliant character, uh, who kind of is that bad influence on him, but he's also, you know, it's just his mate. Um, then he's, I think Will Farrell's character is probably the greatest um, college comedy character of all time, Frank the Tank. Yeah, was this the start of, was this the start of um, Will Farrell? 
probably yeah the the big start I think yeah. when he kind of went stratus strat not the start but this is when he went stratospheric yeah because his character is one of the most quotable characters Frank Tank is like you know everything he says in this film is quotable mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, good 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 show a solid a solid number one and uh, a number one that's gonna be I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a popular number one hmm. Yeah, and just watch it. It's it's unbelievable to sit down and watch. Like the and there's just such subtle parts, like obviously the best scenes in it, um, the build up to, to when he unleashes Frank the Tank for the first time. So like he gets married and he's uh he's out he's out in the I love when he's in the garden and he's fixing his car for the first time and she comes out with a little tray of drinks and he's got the bandana on and like, here I go again on my own. It's blaring or something like that. Or I think he's Master of the Puppets maybe. And uh, he's like, um, he's like, hey, <laughs> hey, honey, just said I get the Red Dragon fired up again. But, uh, you know, he, he, he removed something he's, uh, from the car, which isn't quite legal. It's not quite legal. So keep it on the down low. And he's like, hey, Mike, how are you doing? And, uh, and then the next scene, he's like, she's like, don't, don't go to that party. Don't unleash Frank the Tank. And you're like, who's Frank the Tank? You've never heard Frank the Tank before. And then he kind of is, he's, he's, someone asks him, does he want to drink at the party? And he's like, no, no, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I've got a nice little Saturday. Bit I promised my wife I wouldn't drink tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> and then he's, 10 minutes later, he's streaking and she pulls up in the car and he gets in and you're just like, that whole 15 minutes is phenomenal. Yeah, great uh, stuff. Also, D- Dean Pritcher as Jeremy picks in his Gene- Dean Pritcher, brilliant bad mm-hmm. guy. Love that guy. So yeah, that gets our number one, and then that brought us on to the album. And I, I just went my my choice for the album was just I just went with old school. Just just listen to that whole album through because it, as I said, it's got it all. It's got total clips of the heart, dust in the wind. Here I go again. Ain't no sunshine when it's gone. Hungry like the wolf. Sound of Silence, Master of Puppets. It's got, it's just got it all. So, has it got some, has it got some Andrew WK? No, I don't think so. Has it got some Ryan Adams? It does. I think there's a nice Ryan Adams chin there. I thought there was mm. an Andrew WK as well. Um, mm. I'm I love the total it. eclipse of the heart where you, where the wedding band are singing it. Obviously, that's, yeah. and he's totally, you know, I fucking need him more than ever. Golden. Uh, anyway, you're, you're, your album. I'm gonna supplement that with um, uh, the Eels and uh, Mr. E's Beautiful Blues from Road. Oh yeah, yeah, great yeah. tune. Yeah, I noted that when it came on. I went it's to, a beautiful day. That's the quintessential college song there, right there. Yeah, yeah. God and, damn right, it's a beautiful day. And then yeah. um, uh, Supergrass. I love Supergrass. Uh, Pumping mm. in your stereo was on a road trip as well. And then the more stereotypical one, I think you're talking about is uh some 40 some 41 in van wilder and jimmy Eat world bleeding american van wilder there you go great songs don't get me wrong very funny songs because you'll never hear them on the radio again even though they were huge at the time mm. they'll just they'll they'll just die away with that era yeah um but yeah that us that's us that's all yeah throw them in there um Cool, watch that film. Watch Road Trip as well. They'll be the two. And Social Network. They'll be the three I'd be recommending. Okay. Um, we got to get some penguins. Um, have you got any penguin news from your end? Penguins are flying at the minute. Um, Shannon Rugby Club are putting together a fundraiser. 
Um, I saw that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Duncan Casey and uh, Jerry Flannery. Owen McDonald yeah, brought pick, that to your attention. Yeah, they're picking a team of 15 Limerick rugby players and 15 world rugby players and they're having like a a virtual game uh-huh. uh, and the lads are commentating over it. Yeah. Which is uh, very interesting. Very out there concept. Love yeah. to know what they were what they were smoking when they come up with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll be uh, tuning in for sure. So Andy Killen um, took note of our no selling. We, we were concerned that uh, penguins were just flogging stuff in the group, taking advantage of the group, uh, and then uh, they've appointed two chairs. <laughs> two, sorry. Oh, I misunderstood this. I thought they were putting uh, people in charge of like uh, maintaining. <laughs> Actually, trying to they're trying to sell two chairs. They're selling two chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that actually what they're doing? That's what they're doing, yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. anyway, yeah, more disgraceful behavior. That. More disgraceful behavior in the in the group. Penguin of the yeah. week this week goes to honorable mention. Um, oh, who was it? Someone on Twitter was able to point out that um, the love interest. You might not reach this stage in, in normal normal people. The love interest Helen is played by um, uh, Mance Ryder's um, daughter, so Kieran uh, Kieran Hines' daughter. So there's a connection between Game of Thrones and yeah, I saw that. Which guy was was I'm so bad. Which guy was Max Ryder or he's who was the, he? Um, he's said his name that, wrong there. Totally, he's the one that looks um, like the daughter. <laughs> they they look they look very similar. All right. Um, yeah. Um, but who was he in Game of Thrones? What was his character? What did he do? What was he famous he was, for? He was. Um, I think he was a wildling. Was he? Jeez, it was so long ago now. I need to I need to check. We need to get Shanahan on to to check. Our, um, Game of Thrones. Okay. I think he was. I think he was a wildling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. But so that's, that's great. That's great. Well done. But depending on the week this week goes to Matt McKnight, our our um, uh, illustrator. Um, yeah. Two hundred fifty burpees in twenty nine minutes. He set out to do uh, two hundred fifty burpees in twenty five minutes. Which, having done a few burpees myself, I thought that was going to be tricky. Uh, yeah. Twenty nine minutes is still really good going. So raising money for. University College Cork, uh, Cork Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So well done, uh, Matt. There's nothing on its way to you. But well, make done. your own make your own toilet roll, penguin. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's, he's prolific. Fun. We might need to put him in the the Hall of Fame. Um, at this point, I think we will. Let's retire him to the Hall of Fame. Matt McKnight, you are congratulations. You are in the Hall of Fame, but you have to continue. That's an added responsibility now. You have to up your game and continue because you have to lead you're the leader of the penguins basically yeah, you see they see um, the decision making process that just took place there Matt like that's yeah, how serious we take very this all serious so. uh, Johnny Ray who was on to you a few weeks ago slagging me over Bon Iver um, he he took he kind of panicked when you uh, told me that and he got on to me personally on Instagram to apologise saying he, he just didn't get Bon Iver and uh, he sent me another recommendation called Silicone Boom for a band very good. He just wanted to show me that he was kind of out there. So mm. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, there's loads of people getting on to me with loads of different recommendations. So keep them coming. Love them uh, and love the positivity out there. That is, has been plenty for this week, I'd say. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's plenty of penguin chat. Yeah, plenty of chat in general. Mm. Uh, this has been a very enjoyable show. Thanks to our guests for coming on. Um, have a great week, lads. Have a great 
phase one of getting out of lockdown. Um, be positive. Oh yeah, I forgot my do's and don'ts. I've decided my do's and don'ts uh, this week were um, don't put yourself under pressure to come up with loads of do's and don'ts. Um, so And do not come up with very good do's and don'ts. <laughs> so uh, you've, you've kind of hacked hacked the do's and don'ts. I have. Uh, <laughs> you've hacked a don't into a do. Full circle. <laughs> do hack don'ts into do's. <laughs> um, so just to have a relaxing, enjoyable week. Uh, go hang out with um, some family and friends in a park because you're allowed to do center. it now. Yeah, the garden centre because you're allowed to do it now. Or play golf and come back and tell us how good you got with our guidelines. Uh, thanks to everybody for watching and listening. Uh, hello to everyone on YouTube and we'll see you over on the new channel. Thanks a million again, as always, to everyone uh, involved in putting this show together, to Paul, to Dermot, uh, to Pat, to Fiona for listening in and to Anthony. This has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness Party On. Party On. You were listening to Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.